0: I said goodbye to my, uh, my mother. She came and visited for three weeks. Uh, she was here last week in church, and, uh, but she left Thursday night. And uh, uh, I just, uh, I love my mom. Anybody love their mom? If your mom still is with us, I, I pray you do. Love my mom and, and just had a great time with her. The next morning I woke up, and uh, it was my, my youngest 22nd birthday. My daughter, Kai, uh, turned 22 on, on Friday. Uh, she's going to graduate from Florida State uh, this coming May. And um, yeah, oh, thank you. Oh, um, uh, yeah, I'll get a raise. It's going to be great. Uh, but uh, I was just—I I, was—I knew I was going to be speaking on this this weekend, and I was like, "Wow, there it is." Uh, in in life, uh, the greatest relationship that anybody could ever uh, find or forge is a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Everybody agree with me on that? That's 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 the one. That's the first. And and uh, I would say for those of us who God has blessed us. In this way, it's not, not going to be everybody, but God bless us in different ways, but for those of us who find a, a, a spouse, a, a person that's going to be our husband or our wife, we've talked about that the last couple of weeks, that's certainly the, the second most significant relationship. but I think for me, the third most significant relationship is kind of a tie. It's my relationship with my, my parents, my dad when he was here, and mom as she's still here, and then my re- relationship with my kids. Um, I, I just there's, there's no greater relationships for me in life. And I, I get to be both. I'm a father and a son. Uh, how many people, that's you. You're either a mother and a daughter or a father and a son. Anybody in here like that? Uh, yeah. Usually that's how it works in humanity. Uh, but but um, as we've been studying in this, this chapter here, Ephesians chapter 5, on the, on the, the blessing that we have to lose, um, that, that us submitting, us surrendering, us uh, humbling ourselves in relationship is the key for those relationships flourishing uh, we get to this part in ephesians chapter 6 today or we're going to live out what paul wrote in the previous chapter in these relationships as parents And as children, we read in Ephesians chapter 5, we've been studying basically this whole series, uh, this one verse, uh, that that we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit, not with anything else. Remember that? That's Ephesians 5.18. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine. Be filled with the Spirit. Don't be uh, filled with anything else. Be filled with God and his Spirit. And one of the signs of our filling is that we are submitted to one another. tasso. We place ourselves beneath the other person out of reverence to Christ. So in every relationship, especially in the body of Christ, but certainly uh, even as we go out and feed the bay today, we are placing ourselves beneath those, those who will never meet, those who will never sit at the table and and share the food that we're going to purchase for today, Uh, but we are serving them. We are placing ourselves uh, beneath them and elevating them as an act of reverence to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Certainly we need to do that in our relationships as brothers and sisters in the body. And certainly we need to do that at home. And so it's no wonder that Paul immediately after saying this and writing this to the Ephesians says, hey, let's go home. And he starts talking about wives. Wives, remember what they said to the, he said to the wives? Wives, submit to your husbands as unto Christ, as unto the Lord, right? He said to the husbands, husbands, uh, you know, uh, uh, love your wives as Christ has loved the church. Give yourself up for her as Christ gave himself up for us today he's going to say, hey, kids, submit by obeying your parents in the Lord. He's going to say, hey, parents, submit to your kids by bringing them up in the Lord through discipline and instruction. As we've learned through these last couple of weeks, if, if both sides of a relationship do their part, the relationship is healthy, it flourishes. Remember we talked about the couch with husbands and wives? If we both carry our sides uh, and we both do what we've been designed to do by God and loving each other and serving each other and submitting to each other in our specific designs, marriage works. Same thing with parents. I don't have a couch, let's go TV. If I was up here and my kids were on the other side and we had to carry this TV off the stage, if I pick up my end and they pick up their end, we're getting the TV off the stage. If parents do what they're supposed to do, if kids do what they're supposed to do, it works by the grace of God. So who here, one more time, who's a parent? Anybody in here a parent? All right, there you are. Hi, guys. Who thinks they might be a parent someday? (laughs) Uh, For all of us who either are parents or will be parents, there's so much to learn from these verses. Uh, Even if your kids are older, mine are getting older. Uh, Some of you have kids who are parents themselves and, and parents of parents. It gets long like that. We all still have a crucial role to play in the flourishing of our family. Who hears a child? Anybody hear a child to someone? Yeah, maybe some of us have uh, seen our parents go on to be with the Lord, but uh, many of us still uh, are loving parents. And, and even though we aren't responsible to them in the ways that we were when we lived in their houses, we're still responsible to them. We need, we need to honor them, as, as we're going to read this morning. So let's figure these verses out together. I'm going to try to do this uh, in a truncated fashion. Don't put a clock on me. Here we go. First thing we're going to learn today as we talk about children's and parents, children and parents is that children must obey because it's right. Let me show you where I got that. In verse 1 of Ephesians chapter 6, it says this, children, obey your parents in the Lord for this is right. That's where I got that, yeah. <laughs> the word obey there is a Greek word. It's hupa kuete. and it basically means like hupa tasso is to place yourself under. Hupa is under, and kuete is the Greek word for listen. And so uh, it's, this, it's this obedience is basically uh, listening and putting yourself under what you've heard. It was used uh, uh, most commonly in Greek, the Greek language to talk about someone opening a door. Knock at the door, bang, bang, bang. Who is it? It's me. Opens the door, okay? They listen and they act. They hear and they do. I've heard that in Scripture before. Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. That's what obedience is. It's hearing and doing. So, children, hear and do what your parents tell you in the Lord. We talked about this last week, but wives and husbands uh, need to be servants to each other, but if the other person asks them to do something that's outside the will of God, outside the morals of God, certainly you don't have to follow them there. If parents ever ask you to do something like drive the getaway car for the 7-Eleven heist or whatever, you don't have to do that, but (laughs) those are rare Uh, if your parents ask you to do something, especially if you're living in their home, if your parents need for something, even if they are older and uh, you're not responsible to them in that way, uh, seek to honor them, seek to obey them where that fits as an act of worship to God, as someone who is um, centered on him. Do this. And then he says, for this is what? Right. It's just right. Right. This is a great place for us to kind of put a pin in this sermon and just say, isn't it cool that God asks us to do things in the Word that just makes sense? Like most of Christianity, is just common sense. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you? Hey, that works even if you're not Christian, right? Children obeying parents? You don't have to be a, a theist, a, a person who believes in a God to know that that's right. It's just how humanity works. It's how it's designed. I don't know if you know this, but uh, humans do not come uh, on, on the beaks of storks. They are, they are born to two human beings, and those two human beings, by design, have been given the responsibility of, of caring for these children until they're old enough to go off and repeat the cycle, as God wills and allows. Parents don't have to think about their role. It's just in them. It's, they're innately designed to, to do what they do in, in protecting and providing for the kids. They don't do it perfectly. None of us has. Parents testify anybody all right but you know that you know that that kid's yours and it's he's yours to protect anytime my kids would get too close to the street I didn't stand there as their father and be like man I hope that works out I mean he's really close right now oh that car's coming whoo let's see what happens is that what I do no I there is something I don't have to think about it I don't have to pray about it I don't have to consult my scripture and see is this what God wants me to do no I just go grab my kid right I love the little kids, the, the rebellious types that they can be. They still have this understanding that if, if I'm in trouble, get to a parent. Like you ever walked up on a kid who, who didn't see you coming, and all of a sudden you're the strange adult in the room, and they're like, Aah! And their first move is, where's my dad's leg? I gotta find that leg. Because if I can get myself as a three-year-old wrapped around this dude's legs, I'm somehow safe. Scary person, dad, me. You don't have to teach them that. You don't have to tell a kid, hey, son, when you feel uncertain, get behind me. They just do it. And what Paul starts with is just common sense. Children, obey your parents because it's right, it's how you're designed. Now, the second thing he says is, is it's not just right, it's written. He goes to the scripture and he, he tells us that children must obey because it is written. It'll show up right here in just a second. Children, right there. We obey, not just because it makes sense, but because God said so. Anybody ever use that as a parent? Your kid tells you, or you tell your kid to do something, and your, your kid's like, why? And What do you do? Because I said so. Because I'm your authority. God, I, I can go to the Scripture and show you that that's how it's supposed to be, but I said so, so please do what I ask you to do. And, and God, as our heavenly Father, looks down at us as children, and he says, hey, children, do this because I said so. He says it in lots of different ways and lots of different places, but probably the most famous or the most known in Scripture is in the, the Decalogue, as it's called, the, the Ten Commandments. And the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments is basically this. Paul rewords a little bit, but he says, honor your father and mother, Exodus 20. Uh, this is the first commandment with a promise, okay, That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. This is what God says. Honor your father and mother. Put yourself uh, underneath them, obey them. Obedience makes divine sense because it's God's command. You know, uh, just a, a brief pause here for the Ten Commandments. There's ten of them. The first four are all about God. Don't have any other gods before me, don't have any idols right? Don't take my name in vain, God says, and remember my Sabbath and keep it holy. They're all about God. Then comes his fifth commandment, honor your father and mother, all right? The sixth commandment is don't murder, and it goes on from there and talks about all the things that we uh, need not to do or or shouldn't do in our relationships with the rest of humanity. And so basically when it comes to the 10 commandments, most people have gone in four and six, the commandments that tell us to honor God, and the commandments that tell us to honor each other. Uh, Jesus summarized like, like this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love others as you love yourself, okay? Four and six. With me? Did you know that the Jews don't divide it that way? Uh, uh, ancient Judaism saw it as five and five. That, that the first four were specifically about honoring God, But that the command to honor your parents was different from all the other commands those were just kind of more general relationship stuff the command to honor your parents was on par with the commands to honor god himself honor your heavenly father and then honor your earthly father and mother i don't know if that makes a difference for you but it elevates it for me in my thinking so many of the other things that we learn about how to treat other people's uh, other people in our lives we learn in our homes. And so if we can't learn to respect in our homes, we're going to be lousy at respecting outside of them. If we can't learn to love and sacrifice in our homes, we're not going to love and sacrifice outside of them. God says, listen, you want to be good humans? You want to figure the rest of my hopes for you out? Practice at home. Learn what I hope for you in your home. Do what I ask so that it will go well with you and you may live long in the land. He wasn't always so sweet, you know, so positive, so dangle the carrot. Sometimes he was, uh, in the Old Testament especially, more swing the stick. You know what I'm talking about? If you go to Leviticus, how about this for growing up uh, in an age... uh, We'll all be grateful that we live now. Uh, In in Old Testament Israel, uh, Leviticus 20, uh, verse 8 and 9 says, uh, God says this, keep my statutes and do them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you for anyone who curses his father. Curses here is one of those words that can mean, you know, actually it's a verbal curse, but it also can mean dishonor or disobey, go against. Anyone who curses his, his father or mother shall surely be what? Whoa, we went right past grounding there. Did everybody see that? <laughs> what? Usually it's just no screens for a couple days, right? No, in Old Testament Israel, fathers and mothers were given the discretion of actually ending their child's lives according to uh, the law. <laughs> Some people are like, man, that would be... Anyway, uh, <laughs> I'd have a lot more... I'd have a lot more weight at home if that was an option. Uh, he says, a, a, a son or a daughter has, has cursed his father or his mother. Uh, his blood's upon him. It's on him. It's his choice. It's his fault. <laughs> Thankfully, Paul emphasizes here in, in uh, his letter to the Ephesians, the more positive, the carrot rather than the stick. It's a command that comes with a promise. He says it's the first command with a promise. A life that goes well is, is the result of honoring your parents. A life that lasts long is the result of honoring your parents. That makes sense, right? If uh, kids don't obey their parents when they say, come back away from that street, life may not last that, very, that long, right? Uh, but but he's, he's speaking you know, even more here about how um, we learn the habits, the, the good habits of human relationship from our parents and from honoring them and choosing to obey them. Yeah, so certainly obedience uh as a child protects us from immediate harm but obedience uh, as a child prevents us from experiencing future harm by diverting us away from bad habits we do this all the time as parents right we're just not even thinking about it um we're, we're shaping our kids you know get your finger out of your nose uh <laughs> people are gonna look at you funny if you keep picking your nose like that uh, uh but but bigger things you know be on time keep your room clean All these kinds of things that hopefully aren't just for you and your wants and desires. Hopefully you're doing them to shape your kid and create a responsible human being. Even as your kids age and they ask you for money, hopefully you say no every once in a while because you can't keep bailing them out. And you want to do what you do as a parent at every stage of parenting for the kids best. You want to develop good habits and prevent them from becoming anything less than God designed them to be. It's your role as a parent. My daughter uh, came home uh, earlier this year and I walked out uh, before I was going to work and I saw her car and the, f- and, the, and the back right tire was flat. So I got in my truck and said, wow, I hope she works that out. Is that what I did? <laughs> no, it's not what I did. I went back into the house and I got her at the breakfast table and I said, Booch, come on. That's her nickname, sorry. Now everybody knows her nickname. Anyway, uh, uh, come here, you gotta, you got to come outside and, and look at this. And she came outside and she's like, Oh. He was making weird noises, that's, that's probably what it was. I'm like, okay, okay. Uh, okay, so here's the deal. I'm gonna help you with this one, all right? And we're gonna switch out your tire, and, and, uh, and I'm gonna show you how that works, and, and you gotta make sure you take the lug knots off before you put the jack on. And I taught her the whole you know, tire thing, and uh, we threw it in the car, and I said, all right, we're gonna go to Firestone, we're gonna get this thing either patched or we we'll get a new one, and, and I'll walk you through this whole deal. And I did that, why? so she wouldn't fly off the road or, you know. Uh, but I did that so that she would know the next time her tire goes flat up in Tallahassee and I'm not here, here's how you do it. I'm trying to create for my kid, and everybody in the room's going like, duh. But, but this is so crucial. As parents, listen, you're not parenting your kid for your own convenience. You're not parenting kid, your kid for your own shine. You're parenting your child so that they will become who God wants them to be in every phase of life, not just spiritually, but uh, in, in preparation for life and, and having correct habits in life. And so we instruct, and we correct, and we, we love. And kids, listen, here's the deal. When your parents do that f- for you, if you're, if you're sitting in here, and you're a middle-aged person, and you're mad that your, your mom won't lend you the money for this thing, uh, maybe run a check and just say, hey, wait, maybe mom's trying to help me. Or maybe, you know, by, uh, my, 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 you know, as a teenager, my parents uh, refusing to let me go and do these other things, maybe it's not because they hate me and they want to ruin my life, which is what I thought when my parents said no to me, right? Jerks. No, maybe they're trying to protect me and provide for me and, and, and you know, blaze a trail for me that will honor them and God and bring about my best in life. Well, uh, for kids in here today, and, and most of us still are, maybe some of us aren't, but most of us still are, um, obedience, if you live in your home, that's, that's the way you honor God and your parents. Obey them. Unless they call you outside of the lines of God's morality, obey your parents. Do it as an act of worship to your God. Uh, if you are older, like me, and your parents are older with you, Um, you are still called on to honor. It is crazy how kind of the the cycle goes around, right? They changed your diapers when you were a kid and now you're going to change their diapers, right, as they age. But honor is still at the center of the child-parent relationship. You were to honor them when you were in their home by obeying them and now you're to honor them by supporting them and encouraging them, loving them, providing for them. You know, uh, Uh, Eleanor and I are thinking of the future where maybe one or both of our still-remaining parents are going to live with us. And some of you are there right now. And uh, as long as they're able to do that and we're able to provide for them in that capacity, we want to be willing to do that because that's how God has designed his family for parents and children to receive from each other, to be submitted to each other, to love each other and provide for each other. So kids, obey and honor. Your parents is to the Lord. Now let's talk about parents. One more verse, we're almost done. Parents, here's, here's our, our commands from God. The first one's a negative. Do not provoke your children. You're gonna wonder where I got that, let me show you. Uh, fathers and mothers in the pateras there, the Greek can include both parents. Uh, do not provoke your children to anger. That's where I got it, right there. Don't provoke your kids to anger but bring them up instead in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Um, Ever made your kids mad? Ever kind of felt kind of happy about making your kids mad? That's okay. I don't know that that's entirely sinful. Shouldn't be like, you know, your constant joy to just ruin your kid's life. But uh, every once in a while, you you have to make your kids mad. I don't think it's talking about disappointing your kids. Your your kids aren't going to always... you know, agree with your stance on things. That's fine. That's how it's going to work. But if you are in the habit of parenting poorly in such a way that you drive your kids to discouragement and off of the path that God would have for them to walk as as followers of His, and um, then you, you've got you've got to really st- step back and ask yourself, Am I doing this right? Uh, see, there, there's a healthy way to parent. Let's call that the middle of the stage. Everybody with me? And then there's t- two unhealthy ways. And we can kind of go back and forth between the two sometimes, even as the same parent. But sometimes we're too hard on our kids. We're overly strict and rigid. We're negative. Brow beaters. Now, on the other end of this spectrum, healthy being in the middle, is what are you going to guess? We're too easy. We're too soft on our kids. We're enablers. Uh, We're helicopter parents and snowplow parents. Neither uh, of those ends is God's design for us. And both, whether we're too hard on our kids or too soft on our kids, are going to lead to our kids being angry, being frustrated, being off design in their lives. So let's talk about each. On the one hand, we're too hard on our kids, we provoke our children to anger. Lots of times it's through our unreasonableness and a lot of parents, they parent their kids, uh, like I said earlier, for themselves. And so little league dads uh, go to every game like it's the seventh game of the World Series because they never you know, became the baseball star themselves. And so they're going to live out their dreams through seven-year-old you know, junior out there. And, uh, uh, and, and, and they're just unreasonable on their expectations. Uh, some parents, when it comes to school, uh, certainly we should push our kids to get the very best grades that they can get, but we can become unreasonable in our expectations of, of their scholastic you know, aptitudes, and, and it can almost seem like our love for them is conditional on them getting the A. Uh, Kids, uh, you know, uh, forge their lives and they they figure out the things that they might want to do. But we had this plan for them when they went to college. I remember talking to a dad uh, when I was a youth pastor in Dallas, and this kid who had just come to Christ, you know, in his middle school years and had fallen in love with Jesus had sensed that he was supposed to go into the ministry. And so he started talking to me about this, and I was like, yeah, dude, I'm in the ministry. I think it's a great idea. If this is what God's got for you, go for it. But then his dad called me, and the three of us sat down. He said, this is not what I had planned for my son. I paid for him to go to a private school here in Dallas uh, for 12 years of his life so that he would go on to an Ivy League school and get his business degree and take my place in my company. And if he wants to go to seminary and those other things, after he's done what I've designed for him to do, that's on him. Uh, But I need you. He looked across the table at me and says, I need you as his spiritual uh, advisor to encourage my plan for his life. Yeah, that didn't go well. (laughs) We can be unreasonable uh, because we think our kids are about us. They're not. Our kids are God's. Uh, We're just in a position of authority over them by his grace and because he has granted us that responsibility. And so... uh, May God keep us. I I prayed this this morning for all of us as I was getting ready to preach this morning. I prayed the Lord's prayer for us. Uh, Lead us not into temptation and deliver us from evil. Parents, I pray that God leads you not into the temptation of making your parenting about you and that he delivers you from that evil. Because unreasonable parents provoke their kids to anger. It's not just being unreasonable. It can be us being unkind, being overly derogatory, emphasizing faults and failures, being verbally demeaning, overly sarcastic. That's my first language. English is my second language. Sarcasm is my first. But I have to be careful. When I get disappointed, I, I go too far. In my emotions, I can be demoralizing to my kids. And i got to be careful. Some of us, uh, it's not us being unreasonable or being unkind. It's us being unavailable. We feel like our parenting role is to provide, you know, three squares in a a roof over the head and, you know, be happy with that, junior. When I was a kid, this is is my greatest, you know, I love parents who come and say, when I was a kid, right, like it's okay for me to be a jerk because my parents were jerks. Does everybody get that that doesn't work? That's not the math? No. If you're just slightly better than your jerky parents, you're still a jerky parent. (laughs) And it's not an excuse. On the other end of, of this spectrum, certainly, is, is being um, too soft on our kids. and I think this is a growing epidemic in the world that we live in, partly because the world's changed a lot, right? Like when a lot of us who have, you know, whitened our beards or on our hair, uh, in our hair, uh, we kids, you could just go out and do it, anything you want, Like right? Remember the rule was, just be home when the lights come on? You know, here's your bike. In fact, I remember in the summer, my, my, my mom would just tell me, you can't be in the house, like I wasn't allowed in my own house. I'm like, what is this? You have to go out and you can't come home in the summer. It's like 8:30 at night when the lights come on. You can't come home until the lights come on. I'm like, well, alright. <laughs> Bum lunches off my friends whose parents will let them in their houses, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> That's not how it is anymore. It's a, it's a, it's a, certainly, it's, it's an a, a information-ridden world, and so anything that is bad is ours to know immediately, right? And so we are a paranoid world, probably, on a lot of levels, rightly so. But because we are a, a more dangerous culture, uh, we have become ever-present in our children's lives. And I'm not saying that this is all bad, but I think it certainly does lean into bad because we we get so used to being around them, they're never alone, they're never not doing for themselves. And so when they <laughs> they don't get into the colleges that they applied for, as we've seen in the news lately, we start paying for, uh, not you personally, but that, that just that didn't surprise me. Did that surprise anybody, that rich people got their kids into colleges? No, it didn't surprise me at all. But it's just endemic, indicative of the culture that we live in. You know, one of the most... Uh, um, dangerous things that a parent can do to their kids is enable them. N- not let them learn responsibility. A little boy was out in his yard one day and he found a cocoon that had been grafted to one of the branches in a tree that was there in his yard. And so uh, he had you know, been to science class enough times in his little uh, grade school to know that this, this, this is what's happening. This, this caterpillar is becoming a butterfly right now. And so he's, you know, he just kind of sat there and watched, but it wasn't going fast enough. You could see some of the rumblings in the cocoon, but he's like, uh, you know, i got to i got to see this. And so, so he decides to start helping and He goes to the edges of the cocoon and he, just, he sees that it, it there's a little crack in there so he just sticks his little fingers in there and he starts opening the cocoon and, and, and he manages to pry the cocoon open. And what he sees inside is not a butterfly. It's some kind of half-caterpillar butterfly thing and it kind of crawls out of the cocoon and it doesn't flap its wings at all. In fact, the wings don't even look like wings. It just kind of slithers down the... The sticky goes inside for lunch and he says, Mom, I found this cocoon and I tried to open it. And his mom, you know, uh, apparently knew some stuff. And so she explained to Junior, Hey, bro, uh, when you did that, you, you did harm to that, to that creature because the way cocoons work and caterpillars become butterflies is that they wrap themselves in this this box, and then that box is what pushes against them so that their wings actually develop enough to the point where they finally get out of the cocoon, their wings are fully developed, and they're able to fly away as the butterflies they were meant to be. I remember the first time I heard that 30, 40 years ago. I thought, that's parenting. If if we're over here and we're prying open the cocoon for our kids, they don't become the butterflies that they're meant to be. They don't develop into the humans that God has designed them to be. So if you're a helicopter parent, seek help. If you're a snowplow parent and you're out there just making it easy for junior, hey, I'm all for defending your kid, but when I grew up, I, it was always assumed that I was guilty. When I, when I got in trouble, somebody got this? When I came to my parents and, like, someone, you know, a teacher and another member of our society was saying, Hey, Mark did this, the assumption was like, it, you were going to get it from the one that you failed, your teacher or whoever, and then you were going to get it, get it when you got home, right? Now, I'm not saying that you do that to egregious levels. If your kid needs support, give him support. But if your kid needs to wrestle, With responsibility let him that is the chief aim of parenting to get them to the point where they're ready to do this on their own and the reason that you know psychiatric uh, uh, visits and 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 tense uh, or not tension but like uh, uh, stress and anxiety are at all-time highs in children of younger ages and in young adults is because as a culture We probably haven't given them all the opportunities that they need, at least in part, to be as responsible as God requires. So don't provoke your kids to anger. Don't be too hard. Don't be too soft. Goldilocks parenting. Be just right. Finally, parents, uh, we're given a positive command. We must nurture through discipline and instruction. We must nurture through discipline and instruction. It says... Uh, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, uh, but bring them up in discipline and the instruction of the Lord. That's where I got that one. Bringing them up is this Greek word that basically means to nourish or feed. It's the same word that was used when the husbands were being told to love their wives like they love their own bodies because no one ever uh, fails to nourish or feed their own bodies. We all take care of our own bodies. It's the same word nourish and feed, provide for, rear gently uh, and, and intentionally. Uh, your children, and bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Uh, discipline there is a, is a word that means correction or punishment. It's us saying to our kids, when appropriate and at the right times, that was a bad choice, and then letting them deal with the consequences. When you're playing golf and you make a bad shot, the next shot is called take your medicine shot. If you if you do it rightly, uh, if you've gotten yourself into some trees or a sand trap or something like that, Uh, You don't try to hit the hero shot and stay on schedule to get your desired score for that hole. You just take your medicine. Has anybody ever heard that? Take your medicine. I think it's a great picture of what punishment should, should mean for a parent and a child. When I punish my kids, when I correct my children, when I discipline them, it's a take your medicine shot. This is you experiencing what you need to experience so that you can be well and you can move forward in the ways that God has for you. Mistake made, punishment necessary, but it has a medicinal effect. So am I saying be overly punitive? Of course not. We need to be disciplined in our discipline. We don't discipline our children in anger, and we don't discipline our children for our own convenience. We discipline them intentionally so that they can learn the lessons they need to learn to be the humans God desires them to be. Right. Uh, Finally, we talk about the instruction, specifically of the Lord. But instruction there is a, a word that means education or warning. If discipline is take your mes- medicine, then instruction is preventative medicine. Before something happens, you inform your kids, hey, here's your best choice. I'm not going to hide this one for you. I'm not going to make it hard. I'm going to say this is your best option. But then you give them the opportunity to choose it or not. Who's ever done that as parenting? Hey, buddy, you've got two choices here. You can either pick up your toys and we can go on with our night, or you can leave your toys laying there and you'll go to bed right now. You choose. That's good instruction. You're setting them up to have options and to choose well. I was sitting with my mom this past week, and I'm almost 50 years old, and you know, we're just kind of hanging out, talking. and um, it, it's, it's like I'm transported back to the days when I was in middle school, and we would sit and have the same kind of conversations. They were about different things back then, right? Uh, but I, I was just talking to her about raising my own kids and saying, hey, how, what did you do with us when you were going through these ages with, with, with your kids? How did you handle me when I was doing the same things that my son is doing now? Uh, what was going through your head? How did you pray? And I got to listen uh, to my uh, white-haired sage mother She kind of just spelled it out for me again. Here's what parenting looks like at your age, Mark. Here's what we did with you. I love that uh, that never stops. If you're a parent in here, that never stops. You're always going to be the person or one of the people I trust that your kids are going to look to for the wisdom that they need. And As as we close today, uh, we are to bring our kids up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. It's not just the the general ideas of life the common sense stuff of life we are as parents um, stop number one prior people number one in in the spiritual edification and direction of our families certainly god is good he gives us churches he gives us other people friends of our kids uh, who hopefully are going to direct them in those um, places as well but uh, if none of those other pieces are in place if our kids have no other spiritual guide except us uh, we need to be the ones who are God's voice for them. And we correct them when they're in our homes so that they can live in accordance with God's statutes. We advise them when they're out of our homes and remind them of God's hope for them. Uh, I'm in that position in, uh, in some of the relationship uh, uh, aspects of, of my uh, parenting right now. and uh, I'm praying constantly with my wife for my kids that they'll uh, make great choices and, and, and mostly that they'll know and follow hard after him. That's what I pray for my kids. I trust you do as well. So let this be our primer. Those of us who are parents, let's do this well. Not provoking our kids to anger, but instructing and dis- dis- disciplining them where appropriate, wherever they are, whatever age, uh, so that they know and follow hard after our God. Kids, Talking to most of us there, doesn't matter if you're still in the home or if you've been long gone, God has called us to honor our parents. I'm so grateful that we are a church uh, made up of families and that we get to do things together as a family. We're going to get to do Feed the Bay together here as uh, we close out our service as a family. And and if you have young kids next door, the first thing you're going to do before you Feed the Bay is go get your kids next door. Pick them up with you. And I, I really see this as an opportunity for us as parents Anytime we get to do something with our kids in ministry, uh, in the areas of like giving and generosity, it is uh, on us. It is our uh, opportunity, but our prerogative as parents to teach our kids in these situations. So if you've got young kids, if you've got teenagers, make them go with you. Tell them to put their phones down. Have them do the shopping. Let them pass the money or slide the credit card or do whatever. Let them load it on the truck. Help them to equate that as a follower of God... Uh, I am generous and I am a giver to those uh, that I may never need, uh, but I am giving because God has given to me. Uh, I think uh, uh, lots of uh, uh, impact has been made over the 13 years that we've done Feed the Bay. We are uh, at least close to 2 million pounds of, found, of a food given, but uh, maybe even over, and lots of organizations are benefactors of, of our giving. Uh, and so I was wondering, who can I have from one of those organa- organizations talk about this? And then I remembered, I'm sleeping next door. Uh, so... Uh, this is my wife, Eleanor. Yeah. And she's the director, executive director uh, at an organization called Echo just down the road, and she's been getting um, uh, food from Feed the Bay, or they as an organization have been getting food from Feed the Bay for years. Eleanor. Are,
1: Echo is actually the first recipient of Feed the Bay food. That's right. And you and I unloaded it out of a pickup That's truck. That's right,
0: big ups. Okay. Uh, uh, Eleanor is just going to tell you briefly what this means to the organizations. Go ahead, Ben.
1: Okay, so oh. 14 organizations. Fourteen organizations actually are going to be recipients today of Feed the Bay Food. And this is what I really want you to understand. Um, First of all, it's an act of mercy, which is amazing. It's an act of worship, what you guys are going to do today, buying food. Um, But secondly, it's such a testimony. Um, Many of the people who volunteer with ECHO are people of faith, but some are not. And so when the food comes in, 19,000 pounds just to echo last year, 19,000 pounds come in. Those volunteers look at myself and Miriam and Steve, and they are amazed that the church would come together and provide for us like that. So it's a testimony to the non believer. And it's such a symbol of bringing your first fruits to the storehouse. You know, we have food drives all throughout the year. Schools do food drives for us. The post office does food drives for us. But you guys, a lot of times it's like stovetop stuffing from 2009 because people just clean out their pantries. Every single one of the agencies served, this is like Christmas for us because it's fresh food. It's the very best. You guys buy it. It goes on a truck. It's going to be in our warehouse tonight. We're going to distribute it tomorrow tomorrow. So I cannot emphasize enough how grateful we are as agencies that Feed the Bay exists, that it's a testimony to our non-believers that we work with on a daily basis. It is an act of worship. So thank you from the bottom of my heart, from Echo, and from all the agencies. Thank you, thank you, thank you.
0: Yeah, thanks, babe. Okay. Grab your uh, little uh, brochures there. If some of you have never been a part of Feed the Bay, I'm just going to briefly explain it. We're going to pray and go. So so Feed the Bay is simply this. Uh, 20, I think 29 or 30 churches around our community are going to gather today after their services, head uh, uh, mostly publics, uh, uh, um, Grocery stores, but other grocery stores, wherever you're going, you can go to this Publix right now since it's close to you, or if you want to go to one that's closer to you, uh, you see all the participating Publix locations on there. Here's what you do. You go in and you go grocery shopping. It's church at the grocery store. Uh, All those uh, things that these uh, 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 food banks need are listed in there. Please don't get your groceries. (laughs) <laughs> for these food banks, get them what they uh, require and can hand out and, and use most uh, uh, effectively. Uh, but all you do is you, you shop. You're, there's going to be people at the trucks and at the tables that are stationed at these public stores. Uh, you, you give to them. Here, here's what I'll kind of just remind you uh, you're doing church in the grocery store. If people are asking you, why are you wearing your shirts? What's this Feed the Bay thing? What's going on? Launch, right? Tell them, I'm from Bay Life Church. I love Jesus. I'm out here as a result of the church telling me and instructing me and me agreeing with the church that we need to be lovers of our neighbors and we do it for the glory of God and because Christ has made a difference in me. And that might be it. And they may be like, oh, that's way more than I thought. All right. uh, But testify to the goodness of Jesus as you serve him uh, in these stores, we have people who are in our church as a result of going grocery shopping on a Feed the Bay Sunday and meeting one of us and being like, Well, I guess I'll try that out. And they follow Jesus now as a result of people grocery shopping around them. So make the most of this. Buy these groceries. Uh, don't worry about how much. Just, uh, especially if you've got kids, this is your teaching time for your kids. Show them what it is to be generous. Go we'll stand and be, uh, be dismissed. We'll pray. God, thanks so much for the chance uh, to just uh, uh, be reminded of what it is uh, to be a, a godly parent, a godly child, um, uh, but to be given this opportunity now as your children to go and serve you in this way. Thanks for, uh, for uh, all these years that we've been a part of Feed the Bay. Use uh, what we give today for your glory. Draw people to yourself. Provide for people. Uh, thank you for all the agencies that we get to partner with. Um, make this an amazing day uh, where your love is on display through us. Uh, we love you, Jesus, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, remember, together we can do more. Go on and do it. God bless you as you go. Have a great time. feeding the Bay.